0: Support for Need to Know comes from the Carnegie Corporation of New York, supporting innovation in education, democratic engagement, and the advancement of international peace and security. Learn more at carnegie.org. Welcome to the Need to Know podcast from the Wilson Center, a podcast for policymakers available to everyone. Always informative, nonpartisan, and relevant, we go beyond the headlines to understand the trend lines in foreign policy. Welcome back to another episode of Need to Know. I'm your host, John Molesky. Well, for every nation on the planet, in one way or another, maintaining and managing borders is a daily concern. In the U.S., a newly minted Republican majority in the House has promised quick action on the border, They hope to pass H.R. 29, the Border Safety and Security Act, which would allow the Department of Homeland Security to turn away migrants in order to achieve what supporters describe as operational control at the border. So far, the votes for passage aren't there. With H.R. 29 stalled... House leadership is working with the Judiciary and Homeland Security committees on a larger border package that it hopes to release later this year. With all of that as context, we thought it would be a good time to find out what we need to know about border security. So today our guest is the director of the Wilson Center's Mexico Institute, Andrew Rudman. Andrew, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Hi, John.
1: Great to be here.
0: So Andrew, let's let's start off on, on your take on what the situation is at the border, at the southern border both what's working and what's not working currently?
1: Sure, John. Well, you know, I, I think you have to start from the fact, I know this will sound really simplistic, but migration is incredibly complicated. And, and it strikes me that one of the challenges is this is a long-term problem. And, and you know, I think the media uh, it talks a lot as if it's something that can be fixed quickly, sort of. Mm-hmm. You know, there is no short-term solution to a long-term problem. There is absolutely an increase in the flow of migrants. Um, it is down, you know, it goes up and down uh, seasonally. And, and the recent measures by the Biden administration with respect to Venezuela, uh, Cuba, Haiti, and Nicaragua seem to be having an impact on migration from those countries. But the reality is there are people traveling, walking literally thousands of miles to get to the U.S. border. And I, I think we always have to keep in mind two things. One is that, that there are people who conclude that the rational decision they can make for their families is to put them in harm's way and walk a couple thousand miles. And that tells you what the conditions are like, where they live. And and the second part is that it does have an impact on the border communities uh, who are, um, you know, inundated with people who are coming across the U.S. border and then waiting to, (laughs) excuse me, to be processed and this does put a strain on, on social services in those border communities. So I think we have to recognize that, frankly, people in both, on both sides of the border, if you will, are being impacted.
0: So, Andrew, it sounds as if what you're saying is in some ways a focus on security is the cart before the horse, that what we really need to do is take a long overdue look at comprehensive immigration reform.
1: You know, I, I think so, John. I mean, not look. Security is always important. Uh, you know, all countries uh, have a right and and a need really to to defend their borders. So, so I'm certainly not suggesting we don't pay attention to security. But I, I think so. I would slightly rephrase what you said that in that we have to think of it uh, holistically and long term, and security is part of it. Um, and obviously, we don't want people crossing our border. Uh, You know, who who intend to do us harm. But the reality is, you know, the vast majority of the folks migrating aren't seeking harm. They're seeking access to opportunity and they are showing up at border crossings and surrendering as opposed to the the bad guys who are always going to be trying to evade and always have tried to evade efforts to get into the United States.
0: Along those lines, Andrew, there there are always around any complex issue, misconceptions. And one perhaps misconception in this case is that most of the people crossing the border have ill intent. And that just doesn't isn't borne out by by reality. Uh, We focus on the negative often because of the acute circumstances that come along with a negative circumstance. But talk to us about some of the positives. What what do people need to know about the border? of what's working and how important it is, whether it's to U.S. commerce, whether it's individuals and families. Talk to us about some of the positive things that usually are not uh, front and center in the conversation.
1: Sure, thanks, John. That that is incredibly important. Folks who live in the border region on on both sides of the border know that they live in deeply integrated communities that have existed, frankly, since long before the U.S.-Mexico border existed. And that the transit across the border, back and forth on a daily basis, for people to go to school, to get medical care, to do work, to to move goods and services across the border, is uh, really overwhelming. The, the The data is is really uh, striking in terms of how much commerce there is on a daily basis. It's, it's well over a million dollars a minute, uh, all day, every day, and. Um, and, and that's really important. And I think, you know, that these are, as I said, integrated communities that really thrive together. San Diego, Tijuana is is a, a fantastic example, as is El Paso, Nuevo Laredo, where you really have integrated communities. I visited El Paso at one point, and we were being taken on a tour, and we were up on sort of a higher And the person showing us around said, you know, look down, you can't even see where the border is. And and, then we really can't. It just looks like one big city. And I I think that's sometimes missed. Um, and, And the other thing related to that, I think, is that while, as I said, the border communities, particularly the smaller ones, may be overwhelmed with the need to house and clothe and feed the migrants, the truth is, they're not asking that the border be shut down. They, they don't want that interruption. They suffered greatly. US businesses on the, on, on the border suffered considerably during the COVID pandemic when non-essential travel was banned and there were you know American companies, US companies going out of business because their customers couldn't get to them. So I think those are some of the points people have to keep in mind.
0: You mentioned the, the factor of geography and how large it looms. This whole discussion looks very different when you live in a border town than it does when you live two, three, four, five states away. Uh, in that regard, how difficult is it to reach consensus on policy choices when people see this world so differently?
1: Well, you know, that that too is is a good point. I, I think, I know this is a, a little cynical, but it does seem right now that um, people are deciding that the, the conflict is better politics than solution. I think that the solutions, the tools are pretty well known, but obviously, we write, let, you write legislation and you have to figure out the balance of exactly how much money for security, how much money for stepped up enforcement, how much money for processing of immigrants. But I, I think, you know, it, it's pretty well understood um, what are the tools available and what can be done. But I, I think it requires really an awareness so that this is a country of immigrants, always has been, and we need those immigrants. So if people want to come here for the opportunities, we need to figure out a way for them to do it in a, a safe, orderly, humane, and regular fashion. And that's the deterrent to crossing illegally. The, the reason that people cross illegally is because they really wanna be here and they can't get in. And, and I don't think that's gonna change no matter what you do in terms of, you know, if you build a wall, people will scale it or a tunnel under it. If you use airborne surveillance, they will try to find ways to evade it, and they will probably put themselves in even greater danger. But they'll still come just as people have been coming for 250 years.
0: Yeah, life and nature finds a way, right? There's no stopping that. But Andrew, final thought on the the legislative debate and discussion on Capitol Hill and recent attempts to pass new legislation. Well, give us an update there on on what if anything is most uh, immediately on the radar screen. And then also if you could advise congress on this where to start you know i know you can't just do everything with one piece of legislation but sort of the triage approach you know where is the the greatest need currently
1: you know john i I think one place that could be where there is an opportunity and there may be more consensus is is related to agriculture labor to the Hmm. h2a visas and here you have a case where There is a desperate need for farm workers. And and let's be honest, most Americans do not want to pick strawberries in the heat in California. So you have people who want to come do that work, many who have been doing it for years. And I think streamlining the H2A process to make that easier and also really critically important. Right now, the H2A process puts all the control in the employer's hands because the visa is tied to employment in a particular place. And that puts some of the migrants at at great risk. And so one reform would be to change the system so that it's the worker who has the right to work and controls the visa. And that way that would reduce some of the abuses that may occur to migrant migrant farm workers.
0: Andrew, thank you. Uh, Terrific briefing, and I know that This is an issue that the Mexico Institute focuses on regularly and that you have a lot of great resources. And so I would recommend to our listeners and viewers uh, to visit WilsonCenter.org and check out the information available at the Mexico Institute and all the fine work of Andrew and his colleagues. And also find out about other Wilson Center podcasts like this one. One of those, America's 360, Andrew and I are also part of that presentation as well. Uh, Thanks again, Andrew. Enjoyed. My,
1: My pleasure, John. Thanks for the invitation.
0: And that's all for this episode of Need to Know. And until next time, uh, for all of us at the Wilson Center and Need to Know, I'm John Molesky. Thanks for your time and interest.